Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Happy March, everybody. 2021 just absolutely flying by. And on this edition of the Helipod, our special guest is none other than Albert Breer, author of MMQB at Sports Illustrated, radio personality, TV personality in Boston. We're going to get into all of it with uh, my former co-worker at NFL Network, Albert Breer, in just a moment. But first, I'd like to tell you about our presenting sponsor, Viore. That's V-U-O-R-I. And if you are watching this on YouTube as opposed to listening to this on your favorite podcast platform, I'm wearing the brand new Ponto Half Zip hoodie. I mean, sweet, man. Look at this thing. It goes all the way up. Uh, incredibly comfortable material. And hoodies are just about 5% of what Viore makes. It is the finest athleisure wear on the planet. I absolutely love it. They make unbelievable shorts that you can work out in with built-in liners called the core short. If you don't like the liner, you go to the bank short. That would be my suggestion. Have a lot of pairs of those as well. It's V-U-O-R-I clothing.com. You can put a slash helipod on there if you'd like to get 20% off on your first order. They have incredible t-shirts, moisture wicking t-shirts that are awesome. Uh, They're also making like coats and vests and and lumberjack shirts, which I have a couple of just took on my ski trip to park city. It's awesome. It's California. Cool. It is athleisure wear at its finest. Check it out. VioriClothing.com slash helipod for 20% off and free shipping on your first order today. Without any further ado, let's get to Albert Breer on the helipad. Here we go. As promised, my buddy Albert Breer from the MMQB. And I just realized this. I don't know how long ago Sports Illustrated did this, Albert, but all of a sudden I have a new subscription now so I can read MMQB because you guys are behind a paywall. You know what? It worked for me. Yeah, that's well, I, I that's where everything's going right now. I mean, I it's amazing. Like, I, you know, you think about it, like, and our parents paid to have the newspaper land on our, our doorstep back in the day and paid to have the SI show up in the mailbox. And it's actually, if you think about it, it's like kind of amazing that all of us got away with getting all this stuff on the, the internet for free for so many years. So, so yeah, I support their effort to try to, uh, try to move the thing forward and, you know, you know, hopefully get some people to, uh, 
to, to, to subscribe. And I appreciate you subscribing. Absolutely. My friend, it is, uh, it is one of my go-tos every Monday as is all of your work. Um, so as we're getting ready, as you are driving home and have to wait on our, a herd of turkeys, I don't even know what you would no call lie. a group of turkeys. No lie. And you're not in the Northeast anymore. So you, you, uh, I guess you can't relate anymore, but yeah, it was like, I'm driving back from my kid's preschool. He's four years old and literally traffic stopped both ways. I, it had, Dan, I'm not even exaggerating. It had to be between 40 and 50 turkeys that were crossing <laughs> the road and they're not moving fast. And, and, you know, both sides, everybody's just sitting at a standstill. So, uh, so yeah, that's, uh, I don't know if you, you, you probably had that in Maryland, right. But not in California. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if, uh, if I ever had turkeys in Maryland, but there, there were turkeys around, I'm sure over there yeah. by the Chesapeake Bay on the Eastern shore. But, uh, in old, in old Bethesda, I don't know that we ever had any turkeys crossing the road, but I, you know what you do see even out here, Albert, um, I, I know you're familiar with the area. There are now foxes that have come down from Malibu and the mountains and will be running around at night on the beach. Really? Is, yeah. How about that? Huh? That, about that, that'd be jarring to see a fox on the beach. Yeah, that would be, it, it's a little, I'd be a little freaked out. Like, <laughs> like something had to go wrong for the Fox to wind up on the beach. <laughs> that's, that's a valid point. I, I, I haven't delved that deep into it. I just try to keep my dog away so it doesn't get yeah. eaten. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so why, while you're, you know, battling the, the turkeys crossing the street and, and I'm running around this morning, uh, JJ Watt kind of announces that he's, he's going to Arizona. Yeah. Um, how was that a surprise to you at all? Yeah. I mean, they were off the radar, you know, and, and there is a connection there. The defensive coordinator there, Vance Joseph was, um, was an assistant in, in Houston in 2011, 12 and 13. So JJ's first three years in the league, um, helped him, you know, win defensive player of the year there. So, um, you know, stylistically it makes some sense. I think your question has to be is like, is Arizona as close to a championship as some of the other teams he was looking at? We know he's looking at Buffalo and Cleveland and, um, and Green Bay and Pittsburgh. I think a big part of this, though, Dan, is just sort of the reality is a salary cap in 2021 and the fact that teams don't know where the cap's going to be. And, you know, I think for JJ, part of it had to be this might be my last bite of the financial apple. And we see now like he's he's going to get over 15 million per. Um, you know, I, I just think in this environment, when that sort of money's available to you and, you know, I'm sure Green Bay and Pittsburgh, you know, both those teams have some. I just some, I had some chopping to do to get even in compliance with the salary cap. You sort of understand why these things happen. And when you don't know where the cap's going to be, um, you know, I think it's sort of just created for, for, for some of these teams, like the reality that like, look, like, you know, we got to be just careful about our spending right now in Arizona, right. having, you know, a quarterback on a rookie deal, like they have with Kyler obviously gives them an advantage in that department too. But what's the fluctuation in the cap going to be, Albert? Are we, are we talking, you know, four or five million dollars? We're not we're not talking a ten million dollar fluctuation potentially, are we? If they get that TV deal done, could it be that much? The TV deal is a big like it's a, it's a big part of it, and we're assuming now. I mean, they got to push it across the goal line, and you know those things can be tricky sometimes. But um, you know, I, I my my guess is they get it done, and the fluctuation I don't think is going to be gigantic. You know, part of it, of course, was just going from 175 to 180. Um, right. The new floor is 180. So that takes care of 5 million that you were probably, you know, just kind of that was floating for some of these teams. Um, you know, and, and, and the, the feeling like I know what the, the number that a lot of teams have been working off of is 183. Uh, but we like I think until the owners and the union really work this out, it's, it's hard to say where it goes. 
Um, and, and the range had really been 175 to 195 that some of the teams were looking at. So could it get up to 195? I don't think so. Um, but I think, you know, getting to as close to a flat cap situation as possible is beneficial for everybody. It means teams don't have to cut players. It means there's a better market out there for the free agents. Um, it's just like, it's a healthier situation in general where, you know, where if the tight, if the cap's really tight, if it were at 175 or 180, you know, we'd be talking about a bloodletting, you know, with certain teams with new Orleans, with Pittsburgh, some of the teams that have, you know, the higher numbers. And you'd be talking about like, you know, again, it's not just the guys getting cut either. It's the guys who've been waiting three, four years to become free agents. They'd be sitting there and like all of a sudden now, instead of being say, you know, the top linebacker in the market, you're one of like five or six linebackers at your level out there. So uh, behooves everybody to try to make the cap as flat as they possibly can. And so I know that the owners and union are going to work on that. Uh, but the idea has been that it would be right around 183 million. We'll see if they can get it higher than that. In, in your MMQB column, you talk a little bit about who that's going to affect the most. And yeah. it's not going to be the big stars, but it, it's going to be kind of those those B and, and C list guys yeah. that potentially could be affected the most. And then you, when you go down even a little further, you know, there's guys that are going to be getting the minimum that expected to be getting four or five million dollars a year, right? Right. So, like the, the, like I, the way I broke it up was tier A, tier B, tier C, and tier A. You know, like Chris Godwin, if he makes it to the market, I think he'll probably get tagged, but let's use him as an example. If he gets to the market, he's going to get paid. You know what right. I mean? Like there are certain guys that um, William Jackson, Carl Lawson, I think there are some names out there of guys who they make it to the market. They're going to do fine. Um, you know, then, like you said, there are the guys at the bottom that I, that, you know, I think are going to be probably forced to, to come in on the minimum. Um, and then the guys in the middle are the interesting one that it's just, it's a little less predictable. It's your backup quarterback. It might be your third corner. Um, you know, it might be the, you know, your, your, your swing tackle, like guys who are getting good money a few years ago. Like I think with some of those guys, what's going to happen is teams are going to go to them and say, well, listen, we have like, we really like you, but there are three or four other guys just like you out here. Right. So we're going to offer you this one year deal or this bridge deal. You can take it if you want. Like we'd be happy to have you here, but we're going to give you 12 hours to accept it. And if you don't, we're going to move on to this next guy, you know? And so that's sort of how, you know, I think the potential for so many guys getting cut and so many names being out there is going to affect some of the middle-class free agents in a, in a real life kind of way where um, there's just too much supply out there and not enough demand. Yeah. You know, I mean, just a couple of, names I'm, I'm looking at a list right now that just uh pop up in that realm maybe say like a like josh reynolds you know the rams receiver yeah. or yeah. um you know philip Lindsay or a leonard fournette you know at a position where guys feel like they can get younger guys and pay them less i don't i don't see them getting big money here yeah i mean it's all about like so so much of it's about like what's the hardest thing to find right so like it's like hard to find a number one receiver it's hard to find a high-end right. pass rusher it's hard to find uh, a true left tackle. It's hard to like, so those guys, like those guys that are not only really good at their positions, but play like those premium spots where it's hard to find guys to fill those spots. Those guys are going to get paid. It's like the positions where guys are, you know, teams will look at it and say, hey, you know what? Like we can get somebody like you in the second round. Like where in, in previous years, it might've been, let's get both right. Like let's sign the guy and then we'll draft the guy. We'll create some competition and we'll get the, we'll, we'll get that hole filled now it's, well, you know, if maybe we take the, maybe we sign this guy 
and we fill uh, that whole the hole somewhere else the second round pick, or we'll just take the money we we're going to spend on this guy, spend it somewhere else, and now we're going to just draft a guy in the second or third round there. So, like it's you know like you said, running back's a perfect example. You know where if you're one of these teams and you look at Leonard Fournette, it's like should we draft Leonard Fournette? Or should we, or should we, should we sign Leonard Fournette or should we draft Najee Harris draft Travis Etienne? Right. You know, like you look at like sort of the, the, the price tag for, for, for a rookie and how that can be your cheap labor coming in. And I think a lot of teams are going to sort of take a more critical look at those sorts of things instead of just going out and adding guys in free agency. One of the things that Russell Wilson is not is cheap labor these days. I didn't <laughs> yeah. realize uh, until I read your article this morning that he's actually been the NFL's highest paid player twice. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, I understand some of what Russell's saying, but again, I thought you brought up a lot of interesting points um, about Russell and his disagreements with Seattle in that he, he is seemingly really uh, duplicating Aaron Rodgers playbook here in terms of what, what, what he did in green Bay in terms of voicing some displeasure and kind of putting it out there. But the bigger thing is that we haven't seen is the Seahawks brass come out right after the fact and say, he's going to be here. He's not going anywhere. They've kind of been silent, which to me says something. Yeah. Like maybe that they're sick of it. Yeah. (laughs) Like that they don't want the trauma anymore. You know, like you definitely get that sense. And I, you know, it's, uh, you know, like I, to me, it's, you look at, you can't just look at it. It's like any relationship, right? Like you can't like, just look at it for where it's at right now. You got to look at all the history there. And so you look at all of the kind of tension that was in that building between some of the older Legion of boom guys and Russell Wilson and how this became Russell Wilson's team. And then the, te- and then, you know, there was drama over the court, uh, over the contract is Russell Wilson going to ask for a baseball contract. Right. And he did shorter contracts. So it's constantly an issue. And then there's the rumbling about the offensive line. And so that's all in the background. Right. And then they meet after the season and Russell meets with his team and they come up with these three things that they want. Right. Like, so number one, they want, like a new offensive scheme that fits him better, right? And so they got that. That box is checked. He was on board with them hiring Shane Waldron around, away from the Rams, but they still had these two boxes that were unchecked. And it was get a get a, get a premium offensive lineman, right, to 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 help shore up that group, and then like get in sync and communicate about the global globally what the the future of the franchise looks like, and you know that was something that I think could have been a continuing conversation between Russell and the Seahawks. But then you see what Aaron Rodgers did and it kind of gave Russell cover. You know what I'm saying? It kind of gave him like, all right, like now I'm not going to be the only franchise quarterback doing this. Aaron already did it. Right. So, you know, like I think, you know, he wanted, he and his camp wanted to create like some urgency on the situation. It's like, well, now that Aaron's done this, I can do the same thing. And those two things that I want, Oh, by the way, like I can talk about those things and he did it. And I'm not sure the reaction from the organization was just what he wanted, which the organization, I, I think the, I think his, his, the desired outcome was like for the organization. I don't know if I can swear on this show, Dan, but I'm like, the desire, the desire, the, you know, the desired, the desired uh, reaction from the organization was, Oh shit. Like Russell's pissed. Let's yeah. go do something. 
that was what they, that, that was what I think that they wanted the reaction to be where they scramble and all of a sudden there's a press conference and Russell's still our guy. Well, that didn't happen. Right. Like you said, they were quiet and it was more, I think like a, here we go again. Do we really have to deal with this again? We just gave him a contract two years ago. We've been to the playoffs in eight of his nine years. Do we really have to go down this road with Russell Wilson again? And again, I, I just think it's, to some degree, the Seahawks are a little sick of dealing with the drama on a year in year out basis. So he puts out, or his agent puts out four teams that he would waive his no trade clause for <laughs> yeah. bears, Cowboys, Raiders, saints. I'm not and, asking for a trade, but, yeah, but, but <laughs> if you wanted to trade me, these are teams I'd be willing to go to. So let's, let's look at this first from the Seahawks perspective. Yeah. Okay. There's two teams there that have viable, solid starting quarterbacks who are in, in my opinion, who are among the top half of the starting quarterbacks in the NFL in, in Dak and, and Derek Carr. Now right. Derek's contract is much more manageable actually uh, right. than, than I think Dax will be once it gets done. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a sense there if they were to move Russell who, what they would need in return for that. I mean, well, you, I guess you you have to use Matthew Stafford's trade as, as kind of a landing mark. Right. Well, that's, what's so hard about it is that like, so like if you look at those situations and I, I think the saints pick is 28th, right. I think it's 28th in the first round. Yeah, I think so. Um, the, uh, the, the bears, I believe are, are they, they're 19, 19th or 20th. I think they're 19th or 20th, but they're right in there. Both of them are well out of range where, you know, the top four quarterbacks are expected to go. And if you're going to deal off Russell Wilson, like, I don't know, Dan, if, if you're that team, like, like if you're the Seahawks, like if you were going to make a trade, wouldn't you say we, we need like an answer at the quarterback position in return? Like whether it's through the draft, whether it's a veteran, we need an answer, right? So if you're them and you don't have your own first round pick this year or next year, so you lack the capital, to trade up. Right. Like it's just like, to me, like I look at all that, like, and that's, that's messy because I like, like if you trade him, if you trade him to new Orleans or Chicago, there's no clear answer that he's coming back. If you trade him to Vegas, that's Derek Carr coming back. So is that enough to move off of Russell Wilson for, or are you, when you trade for Derek Carr immediately looking for Derek Carr's successor and do you have the capital to do that? And with Dak, I mean, the Dak thing is ultra complicated because if he doesn't want to go to Seattle, it just doesn't sign the franchise tag. Right. And then they can't trade him. Like they can tag him, but if he doesn't want to go to Seattle, he can just say, no, I'm not signing the franchise tag. And they literally can't move him. So now Dallas might not have an answer for you. And th- I mean, they're picking 10th overall. So they'd have a little bit of an easier path to the quarterback. Like, so that's the other part that sort of complicates this is that you look at each of those teams and it's like, is there, is, is there a clear path to find the guy who's going to replace Russell Wilson if we're going to move Russell Wilson off of our roster? And, like, it's not there as clearly as it is, like, with some of these proposed trades that we see with Deshaun going to the Jets or Deshaun going to the Dolphins. We're talking about teams that have top five picks. And that, to me, like, makes it even more difficult for Seattle because it's so, it's so hard to find a guy the caliber of Russell. And if you're going to get rid of them, you at least want to give yourself a pathway to get a chance to have a chance to get one of those sorts of guys. And I'm not sure that the path with any of those four teams is very clear. Yeah. To me, if I'm the Seahawks and I have a 
one of the great organizations, I think, in the NFL. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as you mentioned, a playoff caliber team, eight out of the last nine years, I have to get a quarterback in return. The DAC stuff is too messy. I, I would look at the Raiders. I, I, I mean, I think if you could get Derek Carr, you could get a couple of first round picks, maybe another player. Um, they pick 17th overall. Yeah. And you, you, I don't know. Is, is, is Mac Jones still there at 17? I mean, maybe potentially you could draft a guy even later, you know, who right. could be down the road guy. Well, but- the one advantage, the one thing that, that, that having Derek Carr would give you though, is like, I've used this analogy a lot this off season. It's like Alex Smith in Kansas city. Right. So like, if you look at Alex Smith, when, when, when the chiefs traded for him in 2013, think about this, right? Like there was a lot of, like, well, shouldn't they just draft one? Do you know who the quarterbacks were coming out that year? I don't remember. EJ Manuel, Matt Barkley, Geno Smith. I mean, oh. Oh. like, so imagine if the Chiefs had just forced it and drafted a quarterback that year, right. right? They didn't, they said, like, let's go and find somebody that we'll be happy with for the next few years. And you know what? Then we can kind of just peruse the market and pick our spot. When we find somebody we really love, we'll sell out to go and get them. But for now, we're perfectly happy with Alex Smith. We're a playoff team with Alex Smith, right? And that eventually allowed them to build the team up and then they find Patrick Mahomes and they strike, right? So that's why I think having a quarterback, Derek Carr can be that guy for you, right? Absolutely. So like that to me, like like, like we, with what you're talking about, like which is bringing Derek Carr and get first round picks. I agree with you on that. But I think what Derek Carr does for you is he gives you that sort of flexibility where we can win with Derek Carr now and then we'll build the roster up. We'll use the capital we get back. We'll continue to draft guys around the quarterback. And then eventually, you know, maybe you take your big swing, whether it's two or three years down the line, or maybe it's this year, you know, who knows, maybe you like one of the guys that much, but it at least gives you the flexibility to move forward and say, you know, at, at some point, at some point we're like, we're going to make our move, but we don't need to do it right now. Time for a quick break to tell you about a couple of our sponsors. The first is Greens Plus, a leader since 1989, known for creating the first ever blended green superfood powder and the first company to infuse that green superfood powder into a bar. Greens Plus bars and powders are the best tasting, most effective way to improve your immunity, detox your body, boost your energy, and get that nutritional insurance that your body needs from organic, gluten-free, premium green superfoods. You can get it at Whole Foods, Amazon, or greensplus.com. We're going to give you free shipping and 20% off today if you use the promo code HELLY. That's greensplus.com. Also wanted to tell you about VACO. That's V-A-C-O. At VACO, they invest in your career, so you are here for the duration of theirs. Vaco is a premier talent and solutions firm that provides boutique-level service with global reach in the areas of consulting, consultative project resources, executive search, permanent placement, and strategic staffing. Areas of expertise include C-suite search, accounting, finance, technology, healthcare IT, operations, administration, and international managed services. Founded by my good buddy, Brian Waller, and a couple of his friends. In 2002, Vaco has grown to serve over 40 markets across the globe. They have 1,000 employees, 5,000 consultants, and $750 million in revenue. Check them out 
at Vaco.com. That's V-A-C-O.com for more info on how Vaco connects people to their dream jobs and helps leading companies find talent to grow their businesses. That's a fascinating one for me in Seattle. I just, not as, not quite as fascinating as it is in Houston um, because Deshaun's younger, right? I mean, Russell's 32. And I think now when you look at a guy who's 32, you're, you say to yourself, oh, he can play another 10 years. I don't think that was the case, you know, prior to Big Ben and Drew Brees and Brady and all these guys who have played this long, especially a guy like Russell who takes care of his body. You could legitimately get eight really more fantastic seasons out of him. But then you have Deshaun Watson, he's 25. You can get 15 great years out of him. I mean, he hasn't even scratched the surface. And that is, and I know you said in your column that you would wait because it doesn't matter what teams do in free agency. Deshaun Watson is good enough that that his value will hold. Yeah, and and he's yeah. he's going to be fine. But there is a tipping point to me. I I think you have to make the move definitely prior to the draft. Yeah, whether you're Seattle or whether you're Houston, and there's going to become a point when teams are just going to be like, yeah, it, it's it's cost prohibitive. You know, we we can't do it. Um, yeah. and and then you paint yourself in what. I mean, what if you get into an actual standoff and he's not going to OTAs, he's not showing up for training camp, and then you're forced to trade him like, you know, a couple weeks prior to the season? Well, think about this. So, like, you know, we've heard and we've heard all about like the historic quarterback movement that could happen this offseason, right? That's Mm -hmm. been a talking point for a month now. I've got a theory on that. Like, I think it's sort of a Mahomes effect in the NFL. And then I think a lot of teams in the playoffs were looking at what Patrick Mahomes was doing. And it's like you're looking up this mountain. Right. And it's like, how, like, are we going to be able to compete with this guy? Now there was a time like 10 years ago when you could win the, when you could win the whole thing with like the 10th best quarterback or the 12th best quarterback in the league. We saw Eli do it. We saw Joe Flacco do it. Mm -hmm. Russell was probably in that category when he won it, he was only in his second year, you know? And so I think that there's that like feeling that like, all right, like, is what I have right now good enough to scale like Mount Mahomes, right? Like, am I going to be able to do that? And then you look at like Justin Allen or Justin Herbert and Josh Allen who have these high ceilings, maybe they get there. And I think teams that maybe look at their quarterbacks and say, our guy's probably not going to be better than 10th or 12th. Like now that now, now they're a little less comfortable. Like I think this is where the Rams were like, we're not, we're just not quite good enough. Right. The Texans have the guy, right. Dan, the, te- the Texans have the guy like the Texans have what everybody else is after. And so that's the first part of this to me is like why you try everything you can to try and make it work and try and fix the situation and give yourself time. And so uh, like, I just think that like that dynamic that's going on in the NFL, you have what everybody else is looking for. This guy is not like, I mean, this guy isn't even like Dak, like he's better than that. Like his ceiling is higher. He's going to give you a chance to be in that discussion year in, year out. And that's what's so difficult about the position Nick Casario is in. It's exactly what you were talking about, which is either you've created an incredibly awkward situation for your first time head coach, right? Like, which is you're saddling him with this situation while he's trying to get people on board, right? Which is really hard. Or your first major move as general manager outside of releasing JJ Watt, is trading the most valuable commodity in sports. Yeah. And Sean O'Hara last week said, if you're Nick Casario, you, you won't be able to go out to eat in Houston for a year because you're afraid somebody's, you know, I mean, put <laughs> yeah. dirt on your, on your sandwich. So it's, a, it's impossible. It's an impossible. I think that those two choices, 
how hard is that? You know? Yeah. But, but here's the thing we are in, and I, I, you're seeing this happen over the last couple of years where there's a player empowerment, especially yeah. among quarterbacks in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And it's becoming more like the NBA when players are able to put these no trade clauses in and dictate uh, where they go and how they get there. Much like in yeah. the NBA, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I was thinking a couple of years ago when Kirk Cousins signed that contract with Minnesota mm -hmm. and the first one fully guaranteed second, yep. the extension fully guaranteed. I talked to him after that and I said, dude, you are changing the way that contracts are going to be negotiated forever. He said, you know, I, I thought I might, but I really haven't. Rogers, Russell, they both signed extensions after Kirk yeah. and it wasn't fully guaranteed. And it's almost like we do see this player empowerment, but it's almost like there could have been more had they taken advantage of what Cousins did and, and they didn't. Yeah, but you know what the hard thing about that is, Dan? Like, look what Kirk went through to get there, right? Like, he played in a contract year. What was it? Three years in a row he was yeah. in a contract year. Two straight franchise tags. And in a violent sport, right? Like, in a violent sport like, like football, like, how many guys are really willing to do that? You know? Like, versus all right, like you're going to put this amount of money in front of me. And I don't know, like any football player, it's different than other sports, right? Like any football sure. player, I don't know for a fact that I'm going to be healthy enough to make a living in a year. Like that's a reality of being a pro football player. So I got so much respect for what Kirk did and Dak's doing it now, right? Like Dak's doing yeah. the same thing Kirk did. Like, that's a tough thing to do though. Like if you're, if you're a kid who, you know, like, like I said, like Dak Kirk, like they made what, like a couple million bucks their first three years in the league. And now a team is willing to put money in front of you that is going to change not only your life, but generations of your family's lives. Right. Are you willing to hold out for top dollar? It's hard. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. You no, know it's tough. I mean? It's tough. I, mean, like, I think and if I think you're not Kirk, a quarterback, if you're not a quarterback, like it's even harder. Well, because, and that's, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. When you are quarterback and the way that quarterbacks are protected now, look what happened to Dak. That was a bad injury. Yeah. Dak's His still going to get the same money that he got. Right. I mean, right. he missed the whole, the whole year. Yeah. Um, and is another example different. of it. Quarterback's different too is a good example of it too. Right. Yeah. Like major hip surgery, like a, an injury that probably 30 years ago would have meant the end of a football player is Bo Jackson. Right. And like, he was still winds up going fifth overall. So there's good examples of why quarterbacks are different. Definitely. You, uh, you also talked a little bit about some of these guys with no scouting combine who yeah. are having to work out at pro days and the agents are actually creating their own yeah. pro days. There's one at Sierra Canyon, which is just up the road from me here in, uh, Manhattan beach where Bronny James LeBron's kids goes, goes to school. Um, are, we're not going to get to see these, these combine superstars, right? The John Rosses yeah. is, is there somebody though, that through your calls and research and all the people that you've talked to that that's going to be a, a high riser, somebody that's a, that's a sleeper that was expected to be a, yeah. you know, a third or fourth rounder that, that might slip into the first because I mean, of their your combine, like, well, you got your combine stars, right? So there yeah. are guys that are, um, there are guys that like, so for example, um, you know, Anthony Schwartz, the receiver from Auburn, like legitimately, if he had decided to focus on track out of high school might be going to Tokyo in the summer. Like, so I talked to him last week and he, he was certain that he was going to break John Ross's record in the 40 of four, two, two. Um, 
you know, another example would be Ben Cleveland from Georgia. He said that he would have broken the, uh, the, the, the bench press record. It was, I mean, I'll tell you, Dan, it was fantastic talking to scouts about him the last few weeks. I had somebody say he looks like Thor. I had somebody say he looks like a guy from game of Thrones. I had somebody tell me he has a career in movies coming. I had somebody say he's got a career in the WWE coming. So he's another one that would have gotten like a lot of attention this week. But as for like guys who like the workout really would have like propelled them a um, couple of names that came up. So defensive end from Michigan, Quiddy Pay is a fantastic story. Tom Rinaldi did a piece on him um, on game day. It's on YouTube now um, back in the fall. That's a, it's just an incredible story. But like he is it is, hard for you to talk about Michigan guys? Yeah, I'm okay. Once they're once they're out of there, they're part of they're, <laughs> it's a business situation for me. <laughs> um yeah, and I don't know if this is on video, but everybody can see the reason why behind oh, me. Oh yeah, um, oh yeah. So uh so yeah, but 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 Quiddy Pay like was I think third in the entire Michigan program in the three cone. He's a defensive end, right? Like so like that tells you what sort of athlete he is. Rondale Moore, um, the receiver from Purdue who, you know, obviously the Big Ten season was what it was this year. Um, and he missed, I think, almost all of his sophomore year, if not the whole thing, but was electric as a freshman. Um, apparently, he is going to just light up the, um, the all the testing. So he's somebody who I think is seen as like a, a day two pick right. who could wind up in the first round as a result of the testing. Um, and Jalen Waddell from Alabama, if he can test, which he's coming off the broken ankle, he's another one who, I mean, if you want to have, you know – you had some free time this afternoon, Dan, go and YouTube his highlights. He's electric. I mean, I don't know how much of him you watched at, at Bama before he got hurt, but he's one of these guys that's just a like a human joystick, you know? Yeah. So like Waddle is, so I, I, I look at like Kawiti pay is somebody who may have come into the process, like a late first rounder and his workout could put him in the top 15. Rondale could be somebody who is maybe like a second or third rounder who could wind up at the bottom of the first round. And then to me, Jalen Waddle could be like Henry Ruggs was last year where everyone's looking for speed. Um, and it's sort of like the copycat league thing, right? Like everybody looks at like what Kansas city has done with Tyreek and McCole Hardman mm -hmm. and Sammy Watkins. And everybody wants like what the, what, what the chiefs have sort of built there. So I think like having a guy like Waddle is going to appeal to a lot of teams. I'm not saying he's going to go in front of Jamar chase or Devonte Smith, but I'm saying it's not like beyond the realm of possibility that he could like, I think chase is still the first receiver off the board. And then I think the two Bama guys, you know, go close to each other, but Waddle, because he's got that dynamic, like that, that, that dynamic ability added to like the, the raw time speed. He's somebody who I think, you know, if he can work out at Bama's pro day, um, really, really could wind up helping himself. Man, it is unbelievable how there's always something to talk about with the NFL, Albert. I mean, whether it's TV yeah. contracts, whether it's free agency coming up, whether it's the draft, we don't even have a combine. There's still stuff to talk about. Give me a couple of big things that you think are going to happen in the coming months. It could be crazy TV contract. It could be trades. It could be Deshaun Watson landing somewhere. It could be, you know, a quarterback going somewhere we don't expect. It could be another quarterback leaving Michigan who doesn't want to play for Jim Harbaugh, whatever you want to talk about. <laughs> Give me a couple of things. That that gonna happen. Didn't you like that? <laughs> um, yeah. So I'll say, um, so number one, I'm not saying a Deshaun Watson trade is going to happen, but I think if it does, you know, I think it's going to be sudden. I don't think it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be with any fanfare. And so Nick Casario and the Texans still have to work through that, but I've talked to enough people who know Nick well, 
who think that he's going to quietly sit there and just take notes. And like my feeling right now is that he's still locked in on trying to convince Deshaun to, 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 to come back in the fold, to give the new guys a chance, all of that. But if he were to trade him, I think it'll be sudden. I think it'll be out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. I think their return would be great, of course. Um, but I don't think there's going to be like the circus where they make him available and then he's out there for a week and they're fielding offers. And like, I don't think any of that happens. So I think if Deshaun Watson is traded, I think it happens sort of quietly and quickly. Um, with the TV contrast, since you mentioned them, you know, I, I think the, the presence of streaming is going to be really interesting here. Um, in that, like, you know, we haven't had uh, like one of the big packages go to a streaming service. It looks like Thursday night football is going to go to Amazon. I also think that there's going to be other elements of streaming that are going to be baked into the television deals. And here's the reason why I had somebody really smart in this stuff. Tell me that he thinks that this is going to be the last set of consolidated deals. The NFL ever does. And that when we get to the next set of deals, whether it's five or 10 years from now, and you got kids, Dan, you know, the way they consume media is way different than the way me or you consume media. hundred percent. There's not, there's not a shit. Albert, to your point, there's not a single show on network television that my kids watch. Not one. No appointment viewing anymore. Yeah. And I, 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 so I think, so what this guy said to me was, he's like, when the next set of television deals comes, you're going to see the AFC package, the NFC package, Sunday night football, Monday night football, Thursday night football split up five different ways. And so this is going to be the, the, his whole thing was he believes that this is going to be the last set of consolidated television deals. So that'd be one thing to watch there, you know, and then I, I, I think, you know, this is going to be from a draft perspective, Trevor Lawrence, the first player since Andrew Luck really wire to wire, no drama. He'll be the first pick. And I think anybody telling you that there's anybody that has anybody ranked ahead of Trevor Lawrence either doesn't know or is full of it. Um, and, and then I think that the, 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 the fate of the three quarterbacks that go after him and maybe four is going to be fascinating with Zach Wilson, Justin Fields and Trey Lance, all potentially going within the top eight picks. Like, I think right now, if you had to, if you, if you asked me to handicap what the floor is for those four, like where the last one goes, I would say right now it's Carolina at eight. And I did, I think that all four could wind up going earlier than that. That's the floor. Yeah, I would say right now that the the floor for the fourth quarterback would be eighth overall. Now that can change, right? The process could happen. Maybe one of the guys bombs his interviews, right? Whatever, like like things can happen, right? And Albert, one thing that I could see, and I know, I mean, I know this might be somewhat painful for you, but I I could see Fields being the fourth quarterback off the board now. Yeah, not impossible. I mean, they've all got questions. You know what I mean? Like Zach Wilson, like started this year, he wasn't a captain which is like, I mean, for a quarterback is something you have to dig into. Right. Right. And like, there's also the question of the level of competition, how long he did it for Justin Fields. The reputation is like, he's tough. He's a competitor, but like things have come really easy to him athletically. So can he adjust to a level where everyone is his athletic equal because we've seen him struggle some of those spots. Right. And so, I know they're very different quarterbacks, Albert, but, but Haskins tenure in Washington can't be helping. It doesn't help him. him. Right. It doesn't, it's, they're very different personalities. Fields and Haskins are way different guys. Um, I think fields is tougher, more competitive than Dwayne. Um, but yeah, I the, the question the teams are going to ask is like, is Ryan day's system propping him up to something? Exactly. Right. Like that's going to be a question. 
and Ryan's such a good offensive coach. It's like, this is what Alabama kids have dealt with forever. Like Alabama kids have dealt with forever that the idea that they're maxed out, right? Like that, that, that Nick Saban has gotten every inch out of them because, and it's a compliment to the Alabama program. Right. But I mean, you know, with like a lot of the guys who went through Washington that were from that program, the, the reputation is these guys, when they get here, like what, what you see is what you get. Like, there's not a, like, like Nick Saban's done the most to get the most out of those guys. So, you know, there's a little bit of that with fields playing for Ryan day is like, is there another level he can go to? And I think there is, like, I think there is like, it's just, we haven't seen it yet. And then Trey Lance, it's obvious his level of competition, but his physical tools are off the charts and yeah. he's apparently a really good kid. And so, you know, I, again, I think all four of these guys, the top one, I think is in a different category, but the other three, it's sort of like, you know, where the flaw is like, what are you comfortable with? Are you comfortable that you can work around this or that? Are you comfortable that fields is going to take the next step? Are you comfortable that Lance isn't going to be affected by the jumping competition? Are you comfortable that Zach Wilson can be the face of your franchise? Like the, the questions are different with each of the guys, but there's something you have to get around. And then Mac Jones to me, the interesting thing about Mac Jones is he checks a lot of boxes, but I've talked to a lot of teams that don't think he's a first round talent. And so the question with him becomes if you draft him in two years, are you suddenly going to be saying, eh, we could use a little more at the position, you know what well, I mean? And, and Albert, to your point, I don't know if that's going to be Mac Jones. I don't know if that's going to be Justin Fields or Zach Wilson, but look at the hit rate, you know, on first yeah. round draft picks, right? I mean, from, from 09 to 16, every single one of the first Which round is quarterbacks crazy, yeah. is somewhere else. It's, it's, I, I think it was Schlereth that I had on a few weeks ago told me that right after it came on Twitter, I, I missed it. And I went back and looked and it was, it was unbelievable. So you take those guys that you just mentioned, the five guys and statistically we're, we're expecting two of them to hit, right? You're, you're talking a 40, 50% right. hit rate. You know, what's, you know, what's crazy too, though. Like think about this teams. A lot of times look at like two years out, right? Who are the quarterbacks next year? Can you name one? Uh, no. That's the problem. Like last year, like, like last year at this time, we knew we about knew. Lawrence. Right. We knew we about Fields. fields. Yep. We knew about Trey Lance. Like Zach Wilson, sort of the late comer. Like Joe Burrow was the late comer right. the year before. And Mac Jones would, would better than expected, obviously. Right, but we at least knew, right? Yeah. Like we at least like we we had an idea. Like this year, I think teams are looking at it and they're saying, okay, well, all right, so maybe Keaton Slovis is from USC. Maybe like maybe JT Daniels at Georgia. Yeah. But like, you, like all those guys, you, you talk about question marks, JT Daniels is at USC got beat out by Keaton Slovis. Yeah. Keaton Slovis was like a two and a half star recruit coming out and he's had a, he's had a good year and a couple of games. Right. So, and so yeah. like, like, so if you're, if you're one of these teams, that's part of the equation. And I think that's part of why there's so much, like, I guess like almost like this tension to get your quarterback this year is like, yeah. like, like you don't know what this could, what's going to be available to you next year. And for a lot of these guys, like if you're a new general manager, say you're like Brad Holmes in Detroit. Right. And you're saying, okay, like we we're happy with Jared Goff for now, but we're eventually probably going to want to replace him. And like, you look at like the, the, the shelf life of a lot of general managers and coaches around the league. So say you don't take one this year and you roll with Goff, then there's not one available to you next year. Now, all of a sudden you're going into year three, looking for your long-term answer. And maybe your job's on the line. You know what I mean? Like, it's like sort of like if you're one of these guys who's in these seats. Well, and unfortunately, considering it's Detroit, your, your job will oh. be on the line. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, you're right. I mean, it's a win now. It's a win now window. And that's one of the reasons I wondered. And, and I'll let you go here in a moment. But in Jacksonville, I, 
I know Lawrence is supposed to be the best prospect since Andrew Luck, but, but if I didn't have to sell the farm and I could make a, a Lawrence and a future first rounder swap for Deshaun Watson, that would be something I would think about. You know, what's it's interesting a quantity. About, you know, it's fascinating about that. You know who Deshaun Watson's number two was in recruiting? No. It was Ohio State. He almost played for Urban Meyer at Ohio State. Is that right? Yeah, they were a late comer. So Urban has a history with them then. So he, yeah, he, he, Urban, like Urban and the people in the Ohio State program viewed Deshaun Watson as like the one who got away. Hmm. So it would be, at least be interesting if they put that on the table because if you were Houston, that, to me, like if you're Houston, that's the one you do. A hundred percent. Like that's the one you do. Like if I'm Houston and I'm not comfortable getting rid of Sean Watson, but like, like that's the one, like I I'm like, okay, like we start like, like now we can start over. We've got a quarterback on a rookie contract again. This gives us some runway to build, right? Cause we do need to rebuild the roster. Like that would be the one. Now, if I'm Jacksonville, I don't know if I do that because they're not, they're not really in a spot right now where they're going to be good in a hurry, you know? Right. And so I think you're kind of like maybe creating another problem and you're, and you you're miss that paying. rookie quarterback window, right? You have, right. you miss that window, window that you have to build. Like, I just don't know that it's a fit for Jacksonville. And oh, you know, like, I don't know that Deshaun Watson would agree to go there anyway. Yeah. Um, but like, if you, but from Houston's perspective, that would, that would be the one, like if I was Houston that I would look at and who knows, I mean, like I wouldn't do it if I'm Jacksonville, but maybe, <laughs> maybe urban has some memories from those days of like how many national titles my alma mater would have won if Deshaun Watson was our quarterback. <laughs> and, uh, and, 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 and he, and he thinks, okay, like I want to, I want to win in a shorter window. I, like right. it's a, it's a fascinating idea. I don't think it happens, but it's like, if I was Houston, like that would be the one concept that I think I could really wrap my arms around. No, I totally agree, man. Albert, I so appreciate the time, uh, especially with all you had to go through and all the turkeys you had to dodge to get here today to make the helipod. I uh, appreciate it, brother. It's good catching up. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna send you that big box of Viore gear, and that'll be there. I'm uh, excited for that, man. If, it, if, it's, soon, if it's good enough for Darlington, I you know it's good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> I know I I know Gar Darlington's got better fashion taste than I do. So. Well, he you know he's in Miami. He, he thinks he does, and he wears all the skinny, super skinny stuff. But he's super skinny. Not all of us can do that. No, 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 no. If I try it on his wardrobe, it would look a little ridiculous. I, uh... <laughs> you and me both, man. <laughs> hey, buddy, thanks. Keep up the good work. I'm loving the column. You're, you're killing it, brother. I'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks. Anytime, Dan.